We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 after dark show the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night welcome to the field of 68 after dark it's a brand new week monday january 30th we are almost to the month before the ncaa tournament the season is heating up uh and look it's a quiet slate tonight we're not gonna lie to you But that doesn't mean we don't have things to talk about. A big weekend in the sport. The Big 12 SEC Challenge wrapped. Some would say the Big 12 kind of dominated that challenge. We got a couple of SEC guys on the show tonight (laughs) that are going to tell me if I'm right or wrong for saying that out loud. I am joined by Matt McCall, by Patrick Young. Uh, And as always, you can find us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. If you're listening to us live on Sirius XM Channel 84, We appreciate you. You can also watch us on the YouTube channel. And every time we go to commercial break, we do take questions from the chat. We'll be here all hour long and even for the afters after the show where you can ask these guys your wildest questions and they will answer them live. Uh, Wildest questions? (laughs) Well, Pat, you never know what the chat's going to cook up. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'll be ready. But I did the show with you last week. My last show that I was on for this, I was with you. And uh, you did promise to spice it up in the second half of the show. You did a good job doing that. What can we expect tonight from you, PY? <laughs> uh, you know, I'll be real. I'll be real when it comes to talking about the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Um, what else can we expect? Uh, I don't know, man. I ate a whole, like half tub of ice cream before this. So What kind? What kind? What, what was it? What's the go to? Oh, cookies and cream all day. There we go. Hey, got the twenty percent go. more cookie in there. <laughs> let's go. I'm like, I'm, I'm, yeah, don't Pat, tell they us. didn't have that at Gator Dining back in the day, man. They, they didn't, didn't have that. Now, hey, now you look back at what those guys are eating now with the new facilities and the. Have the you cafeteria. seen it? It's um, I haven't been inside, Pat, but I've seen it from the outside. Those guys are eating good now, Pat. 
It's always when you leave that facilities <laughs> get upgraded to another level. It, it's always that way. Uh, Matt, how much ice cream have you had in prep for tonight's show? I haven't had any ice cream. Uh, none tonight. Um, you know, we try to limit the dessert in our house every now and then. Um, you know, we try to keep it to the weekends if at all costs. Uh, so none for me tonight. None for me. Respect. All right. Two uh, different the, ways to approach Just the coconut this. LaCroix. The coconut LaCroix. Hey, we're fans so. of that here as well yeah. at the Field of 68. Uh, two different yeah. ways to approach the pregame. I respect it. Me, no ice cream tonight, no LaCroix tonight. Just a couple hard seltzers here ready to go, waiting for our toasts of the evening, which we will do live after the show in the afters portion on our YouTube channel. Uh, as I speak right now, guys, there's a couple games in the Big 12 that are winding down. We've got Baylor at Texas. That's been a pretty good one. Five-point game with just a few minutes left. We had Iowa State on the road in Lubbock. They were up 20 points all game. Suddenly, this has become a five-point game with just over two minutes left. Uh, look, our own Jeff Goodman has been at war for the last two hours with the entire Texas Tech fan base. So yes, I don't want to speak anything into existence, but if we have a Texas Tech comeback win for their first conference win of the season tonight, go ahead and check out Jeff Goodman's mentions tonight. It could get pretty exciting. Uh, and we will break both of those games down live reactions in the second block of this show in about 15 minutes. We are going to start the show tonight, though, with some takeaways from the weekend. So I've got a simple question for you guys. Pat, we'll start with you tonight. What team over the weekend improved their stock to you the most? The most? Gosh, it's hard to say because you can go from the angle of a team that's already locked in in the tournament or, or a team that um, has kind of been on that bubble area and just needed a win to solidify it because, you know, Oklahoma obviously clearly clearly uh, elevated their stock with how they dismantled the, the number two team in the country. But for Kansas, the Jayhawks, the way that they came into Rupp Arena, taking Kentucky away from their strength, out of their strengths, making it impossible for uh, impossible for the Wildcats to get the ball in Oscar, as well as limiting the, the, the Wildcats to only two offensive rebounds. Um because I, I really did think Kentucky was going to have a chance for that game. I did, I did not foresee um, uh, K.J. Adams just taking over in that game the way that he did. Uh, but I'm going to I'm gonna look at – I mean, you can even look at West, West Virginia. That was a great win against Auburn, another team kind of on the bubble-ish area. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with – I'm just going to go for a tie with Oklahoma and West Virginia because they weren't locks for the tournament and both got uh, great quad one wins. And uh, yeah, the Big 12, goodness, almost everyone in their league is going to be in the, in the tournament come uh, in, in a few in a few weeks come March. Yeah, that Oklahoma Alabama game to me is the one result of this season that was the most just jaw dropping. I kept refreshing my phone like, is this for real right now? It's one thing to beat Alabama. OK, fine. Uh, you can call that an upset at home for sure. I get it, but to be just dominant, I mean, run them out of the gym. I did not see that coming for a Bama team that's essentially beaten everybody for a month by 10-plus points until that Mississippi State game right before this. McCall, let's go to you next. Who improved their stock the most for you this past weekend? I'm going to go kind of against the Big 12. I'm going to go Missouri. Kobe yeah. Brown, they beat the 12th-ranked team in the country in Iowa State by 17 you know, they're holding teams. You look at Iowa State's defense and what they're doing. They're holding teams to 60 points per game. Missouri scores 78. 
and they shoot 47% from three. You know, like, you look at their upcoming schedule, their next three games. They're four and four in the SEC, but they've got LSU at home. They're at Mississippi State. Then they have South Carolina at home. If they can win those three games, they're sitting at seven and four in the SEC. And is there a coach, a first-year coach at a Power Five that's doing a better job than Dennis Gates is doing right now? I, I don't think it's even close. And everyone's like, oh, they didn't play anybody in the non-league. And then we were comparing, you know, we talked about this on Saturday night on the field of 68. We were comparing, you know, going into league play where everybody's comparing LSU and Missouri. And then, well, LSU, I mean, Missouri's winning the games that they're supposed to win. And I thought on Saturday, and I know we're still waiting the results of tonight by Iowa State, but man, what a what a statement win. And Missouri's proven this year that they, they don't lose – games at home and that place and pat can attest to this when they're good that's one of the best environments in the sec so i think missouri improved their stock i i'm i'm making a case i said it again on saturday night i I think kobe brown should be in consideration for sec player of the year um and i thought that was an unbelievable win for their program on saturday yeah now yeah to your point um they had uh Ole Miss the game before that, and Ole Miss has been had their struggles this year. For those that aren't following uh, SEC, and Missouri looked like they owned the Pavilion. They shot nine of fifteen in the first half, ended up making sixteen threes, and it's like, okay, yeah, anyone can do that. Blah blah blah. Down team, down year. They're getting good looks. This is how honestly, this is how Missouri was playing all year. They just weren't making shots, and to have the carryover to do that to an Iowa State team. Demoy Hodge has probably been the best transfer uh, in in the SEC uh, right now, and and the way Kobe Brown is playing, the way that he's shooting three ball, um, they get up and go. I think you know the they got their the brakes beat off of them against Alabama earlier this year by twenty. Um, but yeah, there's no reason they can't walk away with those those next three wins. That definitely solidified them in the tournament, and I think a higher seed than Arkansas, honestly. Well, how yeah, about this a- too, Pat? Like. Their two home losses were they eleven and two at home. Their two home losses are to Alabama and Kansas, who yeah. everybody has in the top five. Right, those are their only two losses at home. Right, it's like, man, I, I, you know, I, that's impressive, and and to see what he's doing, like year one for a head coach, I don't care where you are, is a challenge. You're in a new place. You're figuring the place out. It's a new, like, it's a new level. For him too, right? It's it, it's a completely new level to to what he's used to, um, and to see what he's doing. You see all these other year one coaches at Power Fives; they are struggling. They're struggling. You know, they have their ups and downs, and not him. And I, man, I, that's why I, I think they they improved their stock the most. Matt, who would you pick if you had to pick one for let's say uh, first year coach of the year? Dennis Gates or Jerome Tang? Ooh, ooh. I mean, I think Jerome Tang is probably in consideration for National Coach of the Year for what he's doing and where they were picked to start the season. I think they were picked last in the Big 12. Yep. Everybody was counting Keontae, like, you know, Johnson, like, is he playing? Is he not playing? Is he healthy to see he could be Big 12 Player of the Year? Um, I think both those guys have done an unbelievable job this year, uh, especially in year one. 
Um, but I think, you know, Jerome Tang could be national coach of the year with what they're doing, especially if they continue on this trend. Um, you know, you could put Matt Painter in that category. But yeah. for a first-year for, – for a guy that's never been a head coach, to see what Kansas State's doing and the jobs he's – man, just even the state of Kansas, man, it's going pretty good for them right now. <laughs> right? Yeah. You are right? not wrong. You are not wrong. Kansas State's football team had an unbelievable year. The Chiefs are in the playoffs, and Kansas State's basketball team is a top five team in the country. Man, that's uh, and the Kansas people State in Kansas. Won the, Kansas State uh, won the Big Twelve in in uh in football. That's exactly right. Right. So championship. Um. Yeah, yeah but I I think Jerome Tang he, again he could be national coach of the year with what he's doing, and it's it's just so impressive, and it just goes to show you too, Greg. Like just like the transfer portal and taking the right guys and what do you want your culture to look like and who impacts the program the most in your locker room. And is there a common bond that we can all get around and come together about? And, you know, I, I, I you know, I don't know that Keontae Johnson is what everyone in Kansas state is coming together around and supporting. And man, to see a guy that hasn't played basketball in two years to see what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's the common bond, but it's, that's a credit to, to Jerome Tang and his staff, man. That, that That's a credit to him. And there's an energy in that building that's that's second to none right now. Yeah, really, really incredible stuff from him on the court this season. Uh, one of the coolest moments, I think, for the sport this season was seeing that handshake line after the game with Keontae and uh, all a few of his former teammates, right? Seemed like he had a different handshake with every single guy in that <laughs> line, and none of them missed a beat on that. It's been a yeah. couple years since that's yeah, happened. Uh, it was awesome, awesome, awesome to see. And the way the Florida guys sort of received him, even after a big loss to those guys, was uh, very impressive to me. My quick answer to who improved their stock the most. You guys tell me if this is off limits. Can I pick the number one team in the country for who improved their stock the most to me? Is that fair? Or is that it's, a, it's your pick, Greg? Right? Give, give me your why. It's your, your pick. Why. So I, I, first of all, this might just be I was – blown off my feet in person. I went to Mackey for the first time in my life, uh, saw the win against Michigan state. And I I'll say this. I've watched as many Purdue games as I can this season. I obviously thought they've been very good, but I've always put the asterisk on it of this might be the best team in the country. I don't know if I'm buying them in March. And Matt, I listened to you on Saturday oh, night. Oh, you're taking Goodman's I, take right now. You're on Goodman's take. Why? To be fair, <laughs> didn't know it was Goodman's take until I watched your Saturday night show and I watched you eviscerate him a little bit. Well done, first of all. <laughs> but I just would say, I look, I know Zach Eady's good. I know he's especially good in the Big Ten where they play that brand of basketball. Everybody's got a true post threat. Zach Eady's by far the best. I don't feel that they've faced a lot of different styles this season that they might potentially see in the NCAA tournament. This scares me just a little bit. And I think that's part of why the Big Ten in general has struggled the last few years. With that said, I don't think there's a player in the country after seeing it up close and personal. I don't think there's a player that comes close to affecting the game as much as Zach Eady does. Even on games where he's not having a loud game, like he's going to just walk his way to like 20 points and 10 rebounds teams are afraid to even attack the rim when he's on the floor and he does such a good job of staying out of foul trouble just walling up and affecting the yeah. game on both ends i just was blown yeah. away by it so yeah. when you when yeah. you step back when you step back and watch alabama 
lose in the fashion they did. When you step back and see a Houston team that's been struggling for a week and a half in tandem with how good Purdue looks to me right now, that's my winner, guys, because I think they are emerging in a tier of their own atop this sport right now. What were you going to say, Pat? Um, I, I just the fact that Zach Eady is averaging two point two fouls a game, his ability to stay effective and not foul and in, in the it, it's really mind blowing. I struggled, and it, especially with the way the black and charge is called nowadays, Coach Coach McCall. I'm sure that's driving you crazy. But Pat, let me let me ask you this: as a guy that played the position, the exact same position, when you watch him play. And I think he's outstanding. I think he's the player of the year in the country. Do you feel like because of the reputation now that's around him that he gets away with being a little more physical than maybe some other players? Do you, do you feel like that? Because I, I feel like sometimes that I'm and I was watching the Maryland game the other day, and I thought that was kind of – I thought that's the recipe to take down Purdue. I thought Maryland last weekend did an unbelievable job. It was, hey – we're going to press, we're going to press, we're going to drop back the zone, and we're going to put Zach Eady in a million pick and rolls and try to wear him down. And at the end of the day, they really couldn't do it. But it's, the game is so physical, and I feel like guys that may get away with ticky-tack stuff mm -hmm. don't get away with it. I feel like sometimes watching the game, he gets away with being physical at times. I mean, what do you think just playing the same position? Oh, I'd have to I have to have to really stare him down to see um to to see that. But I, I, I feel as though he he takes a lot, especially yeah, in the double yeah. teams. Um uh, gosh. It, it's really difficult difficult to say because as a as a you can't take away as officiating wise, it's it's just his physical natural advantage, and you can't, you know, you can't um fault him for that. Yep. Is that he's massive. Um, I think he does a great job with his hands and usually wall yeah, walling up. It's probably not too hard for him to get to wall up and stay vertical, uh, as I, I oftentimes struggle with. But um no, I, I, I think he plays as as good of a clean game as as I've seen a, a big guy of his size doing a, in a while. Guys, I'm gonna jump in. We are gonna go to break, and when we come back. We have chaos breaking loose in the Big 12 right now. We alluded to it at the top of the show. <laughs> Iowa State and Texas Tech are headed to overtime. After Somebody check Goodman's Twitter. Check his pray, Twitter. Pray for Jeff Goodman. We'll be back. That's next on Field of 68 After Dark. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. All right. Uh, I can't believe this game is headed to overtime. It's truly insane to me. Dagan, uh, what's going on in the chat? Do we have any Texas Tech fans chirping Goodman right now? We do not have any Texas Tech fans just yet, probably because they're losing their minds, the fact they came back in that game. Um, But I do have a question regarding a Big 12 team and a team that we did talk about earlier on our Bracketology show, West Virginia. Um, They're in in our field, our field in the 68 field. They're like the sixth team in right now as an 11 seed. Um, How many more wins do you guys think they'll need to make the tournament this year? Hmm. What are they sitting at right now, Dagan? Hold on, let me let me check. Let me get the exact numbers here. Um, they are in conference. Yeah, they're sitting two and six in conference, and they are thirteen and eight overall. Thirteen and eight. Um, so, so ten games left. Yeah, I mean they had. I mean, it's going to be hard to get a ton of wins in the Big 12. So. Right, right. I mean, I, 30 I, seconds. Think, I think if they can get to, to 17, right, 16, 17, sitting there, a couple in the Big 12 tournament, like, you know, one in the Big – like, if they finish, you know, going into Selection Sunday, if they're sitting at 17, 18 wins, I, I think they're in. That would be my take. I'm going to say 18. 10 seconds. Because, uh, yes, yeah, they'd be 17 and 16. Here we go. Take a look at that 17 mark. Three. Here we go, Pat. Mac Miller, baby. Welcome back to the field of 68. After dark, uh, we've got chaos in the sport right now. Iowa State has blown a 20-point lead to Texas Tech. That's playing out live as we speak right now but we are also live on Sirius XM channel 84 we are brought to you by Bet Rivers I'm Greg Waddell we got Matt McCall we got Patrick Young we just did some weekend takeaways now we move to tonight's games where the biggest game of the night just wrapped up that would be Baylor at Texas the Longhorns survive with a victory five point win a game that was back and forth. Baylor had their chances here, but for the most part, Texas did hold on to a lead for pretty much the entire second half, much of the late first half. Uh, A bounce-back game for the Longhorns after the loss at Tennessee. They go home. They get a resume win, uh, which there's plenty of in this Big 12 conference, but anytime you beat Baylor, Scott Drew's Bears, that's got to be a win that feels pretty good. McCall, what'd you make of uh, Texas's performance in this game? Well, I, I, and I'd love to get Pat's take on this, too. You know, Texas plays on the road at Tennessee on Saturday. They lose. The game's not really even close. Tennessee blows them out. They fly home. There's a focus level on Sunday at practice to play the game on Monday, right? Flip it for Baylor. They play a home game on Saturday. They win. It's a weekend game. What happens on Saturday night after the game for them, right? What happens? Where's the focus level on Sunday at practice to turn around and play that game on Monday? They just seemed a little off today. Uh, Fran Fraschilla kept talking about it during the game. First of all, that that environment, and I know, you know, Goodman and Doster were there 
early on in the season and it just what an unbelievable job texas did like creating that arena and the environment Matt, i'm gonna there. jump in real quick on you we are officially live on sirius xm channel 84 uh welcome to the field of 68 after dark we are breaking down texas's massive win tonight over baylor greg waddell patrick young matt mccall is here matt right back to you here to continue your thought yeah, I just I, I just think that the environment there in Texas, the energy, just look at the staff on the sidelines. Like everybody is into the game on everybody's every into play. the game. Everybody. Awesome. Everybody. Yeah. And that was the most impressive thing today. I, I I thought Texas's effort was better. I thought their energy was better. And how much goes into that on what transpired on Saturday for both teams. And I think you gotta think about that. Pat, yeah, I think, think that's a great point. I didn't, th- didn't even think about that. That is a factor that we will never know the full answer of that, but it's <laughs> we've all been college students at one point in our life. I understand on Saturday night, uh, you can get distracted, and Sunday, you usually aren't 100%. Um, but you know, defensively, I was just watching, and Baylor just doesn't see, doesn't have that elite level defense that Scott Drew's teams have had, um, from the rebounding. Um, to the, the closeouts, uh, cutting guys off. Um, I just I just didn't see that that level there uh, for them for limiting it, getting. There's one possession where um, uh, uh, Jabari Rice has the, one of the best pump fakes in basketball in in college basketball right now. He pump faked to uh, a guy off the three point line to get to the paint. No, stays off the two feet. Pump fake again, get the big man to jump, gets sent to the line. And those just small things like they need everyday John's got to get back in this lineup. Uh, I think to elevate the, the this Baylor this Baylor Baylor defense, uh, someone that can limit team, team opposing teams to one shot per possession. Um, yeah, I mean the, the, the stats weren't too crazy, but it's just Baylor couldn't come up with enough stops. Uh, there was a point where Texas were just drilling because they weren't settling for a lot of threes until later in the second half of this game. And a lot of the looks were completely wide open, especially for Hunter, for Tyrese Hunter uh, late in the game. Yeah, I just reading the stats here, uh, it surprises me a little bit because I would have thought, you know, Texas pulls away, they emerge a little bit. I would think one of their guards catches fire, especially in a game like this against the great Baylor backcourt where, you know, a, a lot of high-powered offense, a lot of shot attempts coming from the little guys in this one. But Hunter and Carr really didn't shoot the ball too well tonight. Seven for 25 combined for those two. Uh, And I think to your guys' point, it comes down to the defensive side of the ball where Texas is just a much more intense team on that end to me. Like, I think Baylor sometimes has uh, some emotional lapses, some mental lapses, and I think they are really missing the interior guy. I mean, no disrespect to Flo Thamba, who I think is uh, a player who is certainly capable at times of impacting the game on that end, plays very hard. They just need like a, a true lockdown rim protecting center that I don't necessarily feel they have this season, quite frankly, until every day John gets back out here. Um, I guess from a, a, a Baylor perspective here, This team had been super hot over the last two, maybe three weeks. Ever since that Kansas State loss that they had at home, uh, Baylor had won now six straight games coming in to this game. Pat, is this one that you just feel like maybe the schedule catches up to? It's hard to go through that Big 12 conference 
and go three straight weeks without taking a loss, let alone, yeah. I mean, let it go one week. Most teams can't go one week in this conference. So is this like, oh, I just finally came back to bite them, or is this maybe a sign of concern going forward? I would say yes, but there, there can be an excuse when you're thinking of, hey, what's our goal? We're trying to hang a banner. We're trying to make it to a Final Four. This is what's going to happen. You got you're gonna get matched up on a on a Thursday night and then a a, a Saturday, you you just gotta be ready and come and play in in, in between the lines because a lot a lot of plays here in this game were not X's and O's but effort and attention to detail, coach scouting. Um, Fran was saying earlier why this game was was low scoring, lower scoring than we seen. These teams know each other, and so what other other things that you can do to to come in? You can't. You know, there, no one's no no one cares. Oh, your schedule was your, these guys are tired. No one can go out there and play ball, like get it done, whatever you got to do. Because at the end of the day, the record books, no one's going to think about uh, the schedule coming in. And plus you're in the big 12, you're in the best league in college basketball. It's the expectation is you got to come bring your best and find a way to get it done. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to give any, any sympathy for, for Baylor for any excuse to not come ready to play. Greg, how about the fact that, too, they they still have to go on back-to-back games. They have to go to Kansas and to Kansas State. Yeah, that's In late February. (laughs) Right? Like, they they, they haven't played those two teams yet on the road. So, pay attention to that. But let's give Rodney Terry some credit here. Yes. Right? Like, it would have been – if Texas kind of spiraled after everything that happened – Nobody would even flinch. Everyone would be kind of like, this is what was supposed to happen. And the guy just continues to win games being thrusted into that role and that spotlight. Man, give him some credit. Give the staff credit because you look at that bench and you look at them over on the sidelines. That is a connected team. And that starts with the head coach and it goes down through everybody. And I, Man, I you know we can talk about Baylor and what's wrong with them, but let let's give Rodney Terry some credit here for for what he's doing because it's excellent. impressive. It's been unbelievable. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It absolutely deserves mention. The thing that strikes me, just again, I test watching this Texas team at least tonight. They play so damn hard. So yeah, hard. To, to your point about just the connection between guys, it's also just a like I I don't think I've seen a Texas game this year where it feels like they're getting out efforted. Uh, and it's hard to say that about really any team in the country, let alone one that's not with the original head coach that started the season. So kudos to that. For this game was crazy at one point. That was awesome. Yes, you don't it see was. That. I, we watched Virginia early on today, so we know we don't, we're not going to get that. Uh, it, this game woke me up, that's for sure. Absolutely. All right. Uh, speaking of Virginia, good segue, Pat. Virginia goes on the road, gets a victory against Syracuse. Uh, another close call for the Orange, you could say. They've had a couple chances in the last week that they've been on the losing end of for a, a big resume booster. The Orange are now 13-10 and 10 on the season. They certainly had their chances to win this game. Uh, and then, you know, after the game, another moment at the press conference for Jim Beheim. That seems to be becoming a more frequent thing. We had a student reporter tonight ask about where was Benny Williams. He was not with the team tonight. Beheim did not like that question, made that very clear immediately from his response. Uh, McCall, I'd like to throw it to you first here, just from a, a coaching side of things. Obviously, it can be hard to get in front of a camera right after a loss, yeah. let alone yeah. one that you should have won potentially. But uh, how, 
I guess, how surprised are you at the comments and the way that Beheim is sort of handling these questions? Well, I, hopefully, and I, I know we don't, but do we have all the information? Has something else happened that has upset him with media members in that media circle, right, up there in Syracuse? Uh, but to see it, anytime the game is so emotional, we put so much into it as coaches into the preparation and all this. And when you lose a game, you're emotional right after the game. You kind of got to walk through those press conferences and take a deep breath and understand, hey, there's a camera on me. And I just kind of look at his situation right now, and it's like, man, Coach Beheim has won a gazillion games. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, he's won a national championship. He's, you know, he's going to go down as Syracuse best. His name is on the floor. <laughs> like, think about that. Like, he – Every game he walks out into that arena, his name is on the floor. And, you know, it, it, to see a situation like that, it's just kind of like, is, is is there other things going on? Is his frustration building up? And is this the end for him? You know, um, and you just, you want to see him go out on a positive note. He's not going to coach forever. Nobody can. And uh, that's what I just feel like. It just looks like he's getting very, very frustrated at the end of his career. Um, and you don't want to see that. Not 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 for a for a legend that's, you know, always done it and then done it at a high, high level and done it his way. Right. I mean that that two three zone, he 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 has stuck with it throughout his entire career. And give Virginia credit in that game too. Because as late as they got in the shot clock, and I know that's their style of play and the things that they do, they never panicked against that zone. They let actions develop. They kept the ball moving. They kept hopping it around. But uh, I just think it's kind of unfortunate for Coach Beheim. And, again, we don't know everything that's going on within that media base. Is someone else made a comment that has frustrated him, you know, kind of behind the scenes. Um, but you're a legend. You know, you, I just feel like looking at him in that situation, he just seems really, really frustrated. And maybe it's frustrated with his team. Maybe it's frustrated with the media. But, man, your name's on the floor. You're a Hall of Famer. Finish this thing the right way and, um, you know, enjoy your legacy. Yeah, you don't, You just don't want to go out. And I'm obviously I've never coached. I've never been in his position. But you, I just know from what I've seen, you know, I think even about, like, Dan Mullen as he was on his way out from Florida. Uh, you just don't want to go out with with a bad taste in, in, in the mouth of the fans and in your experience. Um, understanding that, yeah, we want you to win. You want to win. It's, it's a, you put everything into this. The people love you. Um, you know, we've all been a part of having tough games or questions that we don't want to answer, but there's, there's always grace that you can, you can allow. Um, even if the situation is, it's a, if it's a quick response to something, because then, you, you know, he ends up creating, we're talking about this now, just how we handle right. that. No question. Yeah. So, uh, a little, little disappointing to see that because I understand he wants to probably go out and do things better. But I'm, I'm trying to think who was the the women's basketball coach Blair uh, Gary Blair that retired last year. They he didn't have a great season and he's been there for 30 years. And you want to talk about his class with how even in his press conference he's crying saying, "Oh, I, I wish I could have done it better with 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 my team because we we didn't do it this year." And Man, nothing but res great respect for the way that he's done. Not saying that there's not the same thing for Coach Beheim, but this isn't the first time that something like this has happened, and 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 people have talked about it. And 
just don't like to see someone on that professional level um, and achieve, achieve, as you said, Coach McCall, achieve what he's achieved and handle himself like this right now. Not yeah, to mention, Greg, they, they had chances. They were three right. for 15 from the three-point line. They go 11 for 18 from the foul line. They should have won the game. Right. <laughs> no, they should have won the game. you got to be kidding me that they won the game up right now. Yeah, ser- series of uh, mistakes, you could say, down the stretch for Syracuse. And, yes, as Pat alludes, uh, Texas Tech has taken a three-point lead with 19 seconds left to play. Uh, we are going to get to that in the next block here. Just to wrap up the, the Bayheim quotes or whatever you want to call it here to me it you can never like if if you handle a press conference tremendously unless it's the final game of your career there's something super special super emotional about the spot you don't make headlines in a press conference if you are respectful and are very kind and say the right things you make headlines if you say something wrong if you're a little bit rude if you're snippy whatever the situation is Uh, Now, I've never been in that spot. I've never been in a high pressure situation. So I can't sit here and look the camera in the eye and say, it's easy to just treat people with respect. But it's it's not the hardest thing to do, especially to a student reporter, in my opinion, which I thought it was a totally fair question tonight. I mean, Benny Williams was not out there tonight for to lead a post game with that question from the media side uh, was absolutely fair game. I thought the reporter did a fine job wording it that way. Uh, and Bayheim just didn't like the question. So we'll see this now, I believe, is two straight post games where there's been at least some sort of viral clip of Jim Bayheim. This is a talented Syracuse team that uh, certainly in the mix to potentially make the NCAA tournament, but they have work to do. Coming up, we are going to break down the end of this Texas Tech-Iowa State game that is winding down as we speak. That's next on the Field of 68 After Dark. Right there. All right, and if you're with us on the YouTube channel, Texas Tech just got their first conference win of the season in Big 12 play. Insanity. They come back from 20 points down in the second half to defeat Iowa State. That'll be in our next block. We'll lead the show with that. Dagan, uh, welcome back. We got anything from the chat right now? Uh, yes, we do. I also think we should be reading uh, Jeff Goodman's mentions uh, in the afters, maybe, if uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, after this win. That, that should be a good one. We're going we're gonna to go with a non-basketball question here in the break. So, I mean, we obviously know on the call, we probably can assume who the best golfer is on the call, and, that, and that's Coach Matt McCall. But Michael in the <laughs> yeah, chat yeah. wants to know who's the better golfer between Patrick and Greg. Oh. Discuss, gentlemen. Oh. Hey, Greg and I? Yes, yes. I don't know how good Greg is. Well, that's what we're going to do Pat, right here for Pat, the next minute. Pat, minute. Pat, Pat grew up in a golf family now. Pat, Pat's dad is Man, a big time accident, player. That was pretty good. Pat's sister, like, come on yeah. now. See, I, I did not grow up in a golf family, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and I just, I mean, from looking 30 at you seconds. Knowing you and looking at you, Pat, I have a feeling you probably hit bombs off the tee. Am I correct there? It's not about hitting bombs. <laughs> no. That is true. That is very true. No. Um, I was about a 10 handicap before my before my accident. Okay, then you got me beat. I was hitting the ball really well. You got me beat. I'm about a 15. 10 seconds. Field of 68 golf hey, tournament coming up. Those McCall out coming out here <laughs> playing Brooks Kepka. There we go. Three, <laughs> two. Jordan Field. Pop the champagne. Toast. Get ready. Confetti can be falling in Lubbock tonight. Texas Tech 
has gotten a big 12 win. I hope they stormed the court, but I think there was only about 25 people in that gym from what I saw. The roads were icy, okay? Look, jokes aside, Texas Tech shocks the world in the way they did this tonight. Down 20 in the second half to a very tough Iowa State team. Caleb Grill had seven threes when they were up 20 last I checked. And next thing you know, the Red Raiders are tied with 30 seconds left to play. Ultimately, Mark Adams' team prevails in overtime. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. I'm Greg Waddell. We got Matt McCall. We got Patrick Young. Uh, and this is a stunning result, gentlemen. Pat, let's go to you first here. You were reacting live just a few minutes ago. Like, I can't believe Texas Tech is even in this right now. What <laughs> happened, Pat? What are we doing right now? Uh, the second half is what happened. And clearly, uh, Iowa State forgot how to take care of the basketball. 13 turnovers, 19 uh, points off of turnovers for Texas Tech after Iowa State only had four turnovers in the first half. It was the defense of Texas Tech, that defense that we thought was going to be elite. I think everyone kind of thought was going to be elite from the beginning of the season. And, it, yeah, it's just so surprising that Iowa State couldn't figure out a way to take care of the ball. Uh, and, gosh, the, the, our, our friends over at Bet Rivers, hats off. Hats off to uh, projecting, predicting the spread uh, exactly where it needed to be. I don't know how you do this. Uh, it's unbelievable. It is. I was like, man, I should have, I should have went hard on Ohio, Iowa State. And needless to say, Texas Tech came back and got this done in overtime. That's a great win for them when they've been reeling this season. And Iowa State coming off that loss against Missouri. Uh, after being when I saw Iowa State against Kansas State earlier, I was like, man, uh, everyone looks good at home. Everyone does. Everyone looks um, amazing at home. But that the, the real test is on the road. And uh, especially when uh, all these neutral side games are coming up, you never know who's majority of the fans are going to be at a at location that you, you match up with in, in the tournament. Um, but a lot of work still to be done for this Iowa State team that I still have them as a, as a dark horse to be a final four team. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like watching the second half, Iowa state, it was almost like that game before Christmas, right? Pat, like you get this big lead and now all of a sudden we're going to relax. We're going on Christmas break. The game's over. We get to go home. Don't worry about it. And it's like, Hey, no, man, you got to show up and play the second half. Like, mm -hmm. like, where's the effort? Where's the defense? Where's everything? Not to mention, how about this? Iowa State goes 12 for 21 from the foul line and shoot 57%. Okay? Texas Tech shoots 16 more free throws than Iowa State. That, that that's, that's a recipe Dang. for disaster. But wow. if Iowa State just makes – two more foul shots in the second half, the game's over. The game's over. They win the game, and then they get on the plane, they go home, and everything's good. I, I just They just took a breath. They thought the game was over. They relaxed, and Texas Tech ca capitalized it. I, I felt like it was that because I've been a part of those where you have a big lead at the half, that game before Christmas, you have a really big lead, and everyone goes on Christmas break because they think the game's over. And, man. Texas Tech came storm back, and all of a sudden, oh, man, now, now it's a one-possession game. Holy cow, I got to go to the foul line and make this free throw in order for us to win. Oh, like, it's a different game. Yeah, so 18, 18 fouls in the second half for Iowa State alone. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's how you 
get back into a game, right? If you're a team that has is down huge, it's let's get to the foul line because we get to the foul line, it stops the clock. That's the biggest thing. We get to the foul line, it stops the clock, puts the other team in foul trouble. So, man, I, I was just they just stopped playing. They they stopped playing, and that's the bottom line. McCall, what's more surprising to you? Because when we talk stop playing, took the foot off the gas, the Christmas mentality, whatever you want to call it, that's not something I would ever associate with a TJ Otzelberger team through what I've seen from his teams, right? Like he's just, he's not a coach with the way they play and the that toughness defensively. That's not something I would ever expect to see for a half. So clearly you can bite anybody, but is that more surprising from their end? Or is it more surprising to you that in Texas tech team that was winless in this conference lost to this team by 30, just a couple weeks ago and is down, I think 17 points at halftime is able to continue to play hard and scratch and claw and come back from that deficit. Coach Donovan used to always say this. Who's the more desperate team? Who's the more desperate team? The more desperate team out here. Who wants the game more? Who's the more desperate team? The more desperate team is going to win this game. And Iowa State, especially in that second half, didn't play like the more desperate team. They didn't. That second half, you know, I, I made the Christmas reference. You could also say still a little hungover for what happened against Missouri whatever it may be, but they, they they were not the more desperate team, and Texas Tech was. I think it's – am I surprised that Texas Tech was the more desperate team in the second half of that game? No, because of where they were, and they just – they weren't just going to lay down. They came out fighting and played with more effort, and ultimately that's why they were able to win the game. Pat, from a Big 12 perspective, because this Iowa State team – uh, you know, last year was the surprise to me. It's his first year there off a, a season with so many losses the year before to make that team competitive last season was wildly impressive this year. Still to me, a team you'd put on a list of quote unquote overachievers, maybe through this point in the season where you're surprised how damn good their record is. You're surprised that they're in the big 12 race with teams like Kansas Baylor even Kansas State, with the way Noel and Johnson have been playing, I think it's hard to to look at that team and then look at Iowa State's group of guys and say, like, there's the talent here that they could win the Big 12. And up until today, they really held up like they were a contender. Does a result like tonight sort of, like, is that is that maybe why people could have doubted this team? Like, uh, it's not that big of a surprise that it has happened to a team because they actually are a step behind in terms of talent from that top tier in this conference. Yeah, uh, you know, at this point in the season, when you're striving to compete for a championship, I everyone's justified to have their question marks because Iowa State was well in control of this game early on and not having the ability to have the mindset because uh, that's that's usually the biggest thing that coaches struggle with up in that up in the first half. We got the second half coming. Um, we need to be more desperate. Doesn't matter that we're already up. We need to we need to bring more tenacity, more fight than we just had, regardless of the outcome, because it's a forty minute game. And being at this point in the season, it I can see where the question marks can come from, not being able to flip the script coming out with a because like Texas Tech, they're going to fight. What do they have to lose? You you, you got to understand like as a team that is projected to be where they are and, and knowing who you are as a, as a team. There's always going to be a target on your back um, and and teams are going to respond. 
human and, and we are we already know you got to withstand that first punch from a team coming out in the second half if you can kind of withstand that because you know it's going to be if you can't that's what opens the door and then you start getting shaky and whatnot and the fans start getting into the games and then all kinds of crazy shots and the referees are calling fouls and uh, you know, it's, it's just I didn't know realize that Iowa State would struggle so much with playing defense without fouling. Um, that's really what shot them in the foot the the most, getting to the allowing Tech to get to the free throw line so much. But yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's not too too late in the sense of thinking about the the, the tournament, but the Big Twelve race. This 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 is going to be one that bites them in the butt for sure. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, our own Jeff Goodman again has been uh, a little. Vocally critical, I would say, of Texas Tech, specifically tonight. If you follow our Field of 68 account, a certain picture was put out there this afternoon of, uh, or well, this early evening of how empty the crowd was before this game. Uh, and to read a little quote from Jeff's own Twitter account tonight, Texas Tech has no pop tonight. Red Raiders with just 22 points at the break. Iowa State leads 39 to 22 at halftime in Chile, Lubbock. Made sure to know that, uh, you know, those fans did inform him that it was a little cold tonight. That's why there may not have been so many people there. So we may have to just do a little segment called Jeff Goodman's Mentions on the afters tonight on the Field of 68. How Jeff uh, Goodman eats his corn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That'll be a fun one. Stay tuned. We'll do that uh, at the end of the show. Coming up next, though, I'm going to put these guys through another one of my many games. This time we are going to play a little game of weekend overreactions with four of the most polarizing teams in the sport. That is next on the Field of 68 After Dark. Dagan, how we doing? We are we are great. I'm very, very excited for this, this uh, after this thing. I will, I will say that. Um, question staying in the Big 12, does Baylor have the tools to make it to the Final Four? I, oh. Out of all the teams in the Big 12 right now, I, I I think that they're the outside looking in. I think being healthy is a big thing. And then just, just the matchups, right? Like the NCAA tournament comes down to so many matchups and um, you got to get a little bit lucky, right, too. You, you, you know, you the best team doesn't always win. The best team doesn't always win the national title. So um, I think they're outside looking in right now. That'll be that, That's my take. How hey, who's, outside, who's outside looking in? Baylor. For to get final to the four final contender, four. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think def- defensively they they, they don't, don't have enough fight. They got great guard play. That anyone can off the dribble get, get downhill. I mean, keep, 30 seconds. it could be one of those situations where Keontae George just goes crazy. Maybe no one can stop him or the right matchup. And, you know, we, we know he's going to get him up. So maybe he goes for a 35-piece. And defense doesn't matter, so that's that's always a possibility. But for the most, I'm not going to gamble on that on a on a freshman yet. Uh, he's he's special, but he's not that special, not yet. 
I want to go on record. I will swoop in and buy all the Baylor stock that you guys are selling. I'll Five, pick them up right four, now. Three. This is still six of seven wins. It's after dark on the field of 68. It's already been a wild week in the sport with Iowa State melting down and giving Texas Tech their first win in Big 12 play. We had a great game between Baylor and Texas. We had fireworks at the podium in Syracuse. And we are here now to overreact to some takeaways from the weekend. I've was got it really first... fireworks at the podium? Would you say those fireworks? I call it fireworks. Okay. I don't know what type of 4th of July celebrations you've seen in your day, McCall, but that was big time 4th of July guy. Love the 4th of July. Okay. Well, back in Lansing, Michigan, I just went to like a local mall parking lot and it wasn't the most impressive thing. So I'd call that fireworks. Okay. Uh, I've got four teams on a list, gentlemen. Well, actually three teams and then a conference, Alabama, Arizona, Purdue, and back to the big 12 to end the show. I've got an overreaction for all four of these topics. And I need you two to be honest with me now. Again, this is Patrick Young, Matt McCall. I'm Greg Waddell. And this game starts now with Alabama. Alabama will not win the SEC. This game against Oklahoma was so concerning. The fashion in which they were ran out of the gym, how non-competitive they were. The body language was toxic. That's something to be worried about. It's a red flag that is red enough for you to say that this is now Tennessee or somebody else's conference to win. McCall, let's go to you first. Is that fair or no? I think there's only two teams that this conference is going to come down to. I think it's Alabama and Tennessee. I don't think anyone else uh, is going to be in consideration. I think you've hey, got to sleep look. on A&M, man. Okay, Pat. Don't, right. don't sleep. They've been, they've been good. They have been good. They have been good. I, I just – look, Bama's got five out of the next ten on the road. They got Auburn twice, and they have to play at Tennessee. Tennessee has Auburn twice, and they still got to go to Rupp. So can you look at the schedules? Who's more favorable? I, I would probably give the nod to Alabama's schedule, but I think that game on February 15th at Tennessee is what the SEC championship regular season is going to come down to. I think it's those two teams. I think they're going to battle it out in that game. Um, you know, Tennessee was so impressive over the weekend. I mean, I had to feel good for Rick Barnes. Uh, I don't care how many games he's won. The fact that what he's called like it is, Texas, they wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to get rid of him. The fans and everybody, they wanted to get rid of him. They they ran him out of town. And to do what he's doing now at Tennessee, one of the best coaches in the country, he and to, to win that game, I know that had to feel good for him. That had not to have felt the, good for him. Not only one of the best coaches, one of the best men. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. He, he, you know, no. He does it the right way. Does yeah. it the right he, way. He would. He would never respond to somebody, you know, after a tough loss as somebody else may have. Today. <laughs> so so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving the nod to Tennessee, um, because of Coach Barnes. But I, I think if you look at the schedules, man, I, I, I think Bama's got a little bit more of a favorable schedule. I think Bama had one bad game. I mean, it happens, right? They had a bad game. Do not count them out by any means. But that game on February 15th, because it's at Tennessee, uh, I'm going to 
Well, I'm shift a little bit and give it to my, my nod towards Tennessee. Well, I, I would agree with you, but against Mississippi State, Bama played pretty soft in that first half as well. Um, no resistance, allowing if State Mississippi State had a few guys that could shoot five to ten percent better from three, they would have gotten beat at home. Um, so I, I am a little concerned. I won't say this is reminiscent of the Alabama team of last year because um, these guys do really play hard. I think something's just gotten lost in translation for them, for them as of late, losing the focus of – because it's, it's just like Oklahoma just punched and punched and punched and didn't stop hitting them, and it's just like there was no counter, no no attack on the way back. But, you know, if Alabama loses one of these games, these upcoming games, I think Saturday, the game right before – they're they're at they're at Auburn right before that Tennessee game. If they lose that Auburn game, um, I think Tennessee is going to take this league. Tennessee just they look they they look complete, uh, especially on the defensive side. I think they have five capable guys that on any given night can be special and have a great night. Olivier Kamwa, I think he is probably has the highest ceiling out of anyone on their team because he he's a stud. Uh, but they just they they play such sacrificial basketball. It reminds me so much of of my team, my 20, 2014 senior year team, they play just such – and they play better defense than us, actually, believe it or not. And I, I, it's hard for me to ever say that. But they've already have uh, – once they have like 15 games holding teams to 50 points and less already. And it's, it's just unbelievable. So I, I think I, I think Tennessee is going to find a way to, to get this done. Yeah, the, uh, the interesting thing to me and why I kind of side – uh, well, you both said Tennessee, but why I would side with you, Pat, on why it's just a little more of like an eyebrow razor the way Alabama lost this game. One, I felt like they laid an egg the game before, and I thought they would come out tightened up from that. Like we had our wake up call. We survived it with a win instead of a loss. But now you're going to get our A game. That didn't happen. Number one. And number two, I- I'm all for great teams. Just don't have it some nights. That's for sure a thing. But when you compare to me, a, a Tennessee game where they didn't have it was the game against Kentucky. They lost yep. that game. But to me, they didn't let that game snowball, right? Like, they fought their ass off to come back into that game, make it competitive. Alabama rolled over and let Grant Sherfield and, uh, I mean, everybody on that – or the Oklahoma team do whatever they wanted for most of that game. That definitely scares me. I'm very curious how the Tide will respond because I think their A game is as good as anybody in the country, uh, but clearly their F game might be a little bit worse than some of the other great teams uh, at this point in the season. Let's go to my next team here, Arizona. Overreaction. Zona is by far the best team in the Pac-12. We'd put them in a tier ahead of UCLA right now. UCLA's had their struggles lately. The meltdown in the second half again against USC. And obviously Arizona has the head-to-head win over UCLA as well. McCall, you think this one's fair? Zona's the best team? By far? I think by far is a heck of a statement. I I, I don't know if they're by far the best team in the Pac-12. I think you've got to look at Arizona, UCLA, and USC – any one of those three could win the league. I, I I believe that. I'm a big fan of it. UCLA still, even with the recent struggles, they've got balance on offense. They've got almost six guys averaging double figures. They've got one of the best point guards in the country. Um, so I, I don't know. I think Arizona's really, really good, and they could end up winning that league. I, I think, are they the best team in the league right now? Yes. Are they by far the best team in the league? No, I'm not saying by far. I think – 
those other two teams could end up winning that league. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, I think they're really good, but I'm still a big fan of, of UCLA. I think they play hard and I think they have balance on offense. And I think if you do those two things, you got a chance to win a championship and make runs in March. Pat. Uh, I, I don't think Arizona is going to lose the game in February. Um, I think that puts them in a position where they can walk away, say, walk away with the league. And then, then they got back-to-back games at USC and at UCLA. Um, not by far, but definitely a tier, a tier up a few, but not, not unreachable by UCLA uh, or USC unless you, you know, well, they already play each other twice, but unless one of those teams shoot themselves on their foot again um, coming up. Cause I, I definitely don't, I don't think, uh, Arizona's going to lose the game in, fe- in, the, in the entire month of February. Wow. I like that. I'm a, I'm an Arizona slappy. You could say, I love this offense. I love how hard their bigs run up and down the floor. Uh, so I'm in and I'm skeptical of UCLA too, just schedule wise. I think they've been very fortunate. I think they've really struggled in their games against elite opponents. They've beaten some good teams. They haven't beaten any great teams to me. We've got about 30 seconds left. I'm going to fly through it. Purdue has already won the big 10 guys. Pat, yes or no? They're three games yeah. up. They yes. you can call it. It's wraps. They won. Yes, it's over. It's done. McCall, same? Same. Yes, it's over. Yeah. Next question. No questions asked. That's simple. Uh, you know what? The other one, there's no way we're going to fly through. So we're going to open the afters with that in just a moment. We appreciate everybody rocking with us tonight on the field of 68 After Dark. We got a lot more than we asked for on this quiet Monday. That's just college basketball for you. For Patrick Young, for Matt McCall, my name is Greg Waddell, and you can jump over and watch us on the YouTube channel on the Field of 68 After Dark. All right, boys, let's finish up overreactions, and then it's Jeff Goodman's mentions reading hour. Uh, I I said it was the Big 12, not a team-specific one for this one. So a little broader. It's officially the Big 12 versus the field for a national title. And if you had to pick one, you'd be smart to pick the Big 12. Yes or no? Pat, what do you think? At this point, I'm going to say yes. I think I think the Big 12 has proven themselves to be uh, – have some of the best coaching and best, most talented complete teams – I'm not going to count out Bill Self and what he's done and the makeup of his team, especially how they handled adversity here. Really, really looking highly upon Kansas, uh, Kansas State to make a run, national title. Ah, that's tough. For, for the, <laughs> it is tough, but you know, if we say for, for, for multiple teams in the Final Four, I will say the Big 12. I It's hard for me to say national title. It's just you know, you get in the tournament, like anything can happen, it, which is so frustrating because uh, my senior year, we beat Kentucky three times and they made it to the national championship game. McCall? Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the field. I'm going to take the field. I, I just think there's too much parity in college basketball. Uh, I agree with what Pat says in terms of the matchups. It's you've got to get the right matchups. Like Pat's senior year, you know, we won 30 games in a row. And our one loss before we went and won 30 games in a row was to UConn 
on an air ball that got tipped back out to Shabazz Napier and he drills it at the free throw line off an air ball. And then we play UConn in the final four and we lose to him after we just lost 30 games in a row. It was a bad matchup. So um, I'm going to take the field. I, I don't think anybody, you know, those brackets that come out selection Sunday, whoever gets the, the correct bracket out there, you know, on bet rivers or whoever it is, and I, I just think there's too much parity in college basketball. Um, you know, I'm not ready to guarantee a Final Four team or a national champion, right? Like, you know, even, you know, Purdue's never not been able to really get over the hump and and, and get to that that game yet. Um, you know, Tennessee, the same thing. So to put those two in that category, do one of them make it? Do one of them win the national championship? They very well could. So I just think there's too much parity. I think there's going to be a team that no one expects to get to the Final Four and um we'll see what happens that's why it's the greatest sporting event out there yeah a lot of parody this year for sure what i'm sensing from that answer is that i might have to sweeten the pot a little bit for you to not take the field matt is that fair like if if we went yeah we'll give you the top five teams in the country let's say purdue houston alabama still up there kansas and take your pick of a fifth would you take your top five or would you take the field because there's that UConn. much parity? Oh, Pat's eye on UConn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll take the field. Wow. I'm taking the field. I think it, I, I think someone's going to win a national championship that no one's really expecting right now. I think that's just the way that this season has been in college basketball. So I'm going to take the field. Wow. I like it. That will make for a crazy March. And again, uh, Fielding the 68, our Bracketology show every Monday and Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. We had the first show of the week this afternoon. I watched it. It was fantastic. I learned so much every single time that I watched that show. We got four of the best Bracketologists in the business who will be doing this twice a week for us, telling us everything we know to be prepared to fill out our brackets in March. Again, the next one is Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. All right, Dagan, it's that time. Anytime we can dance on Jeff Goodman's grave, we have to take the opportunity. Uh, can we do some some Goodman mentions tonight? Of, of course. Of course we can. I mean, it's going to take me a little bit of time to go back and find them, but uh, of course we can. Here, here's a good one to start off. Uh, obviously, Texas Tech fans really give it to him. Wreck him here. Uh, if Jeff has a million haters, I'm one of them. If Jeff only has one hater, it's me. If he has no haters, that means I'm dead. <laughs> So that 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 is a great wow. one right there off, off to, to begin this this wonderful segment. Um, let me go back here and find a few more. Can Obviously, I ask a question? Does Goodman read all these tweets? Of course. Does he like does he look <laughs> like look at them all and like he lives on his phone? Like does he, he does. look at like does he like them? Like oh, I like this tweet. Like uh, let me let me look at all my mentions. <laughs> uh, Matt, it depends on if Pat Kelsey has practice or not. That's the true uh, answer. No question. No yeah. question. He, he answers a few. He'll answer a few here and there. Um, there are obviously a lot of people telling him to just to tweet about Texas Tech in general. Because um, obviously his original tweet, front-running Texas Tech fans, say it ain't so, dot, 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 with the picture from the Field of 68 account. Um, and then a lot of people just saying tweet about Texas Tech. Uh, let me scroll back here and find all these. A lot of pictures, of course. Probably can't say that one on the air. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, just, just obviously good stuff. We love that Texas Tech fans uh, give it to them. Dagan, can I give a little cheat sheet to any Field of 68 
uh, listeners, viewers, fans, whatever you want to call them out there on of our course. social posts real quick. Of course. So I, uh, I as I, anyone who follows the field of 68 probably knows by now due to Rob Doster tweeting about it. I do often tweet from Field of 68 accounts and run some other social media accounts for us. Here's a helpful guide to be able to tell if I tweeted this, if Rob tweeted this, or if Jeff tweeted this. If it's not controversial in any way, I tweeted it. If it's controversial (laughs) and there's a follow-up tweet that says that I tweeted it, Rob tweeted it. If it's controversial and there's no trace of me, whatever, publicly, then Jeff tweeted it. There's your cheat sheet. So tonight, Texas Tech tweet, very clear that Jeff tweeted that when it was just a picture and a sarcastic comment from Jeff Goodman himself. There you go, folks. Recommend in the YouTube chat, Jeff needs engagement. You can easily tell when it's him. No comment. Greg, I want to know, like, Pat, I don't know how you feel. How come I don't have any Field of 68 gear? Uh, we can we can we can figure that out. Pat, do you have a shirt? I don't have a shirt. I had a man. shirt. I have a shirt. I got okay. one shirt. I don't, See, I, I, I don't blame have a shirt. Like I, I can't get any gear. Blame Doster. Okay. Because we right. like to no, blame you Doster. Can, listen, while I throw <laughs> daggers at Doster and Goodman, you can blame me for that one. Field of sixty eight dot shop is where you get your merch. I'm wearing the most comfortable shirt I own right now. The Field of sixty eight logo tee. Uh, we had some promo codes going. I don't think there's anything active. Maybe I'll have to spin one up for early February here. But uh, Matt, I can get you something. Okay, I'll hit you up on the it. side. We'll get your. I gotta address. get one of those uh, those themed ones. What What do you mean themed ones? What you, you have talking like about? a bunch of different uh, specific team ones. That oh are, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, gotta get one of those. You're right. Wait, which team would you want a shirt from, though, Pat? I don't think we got anything from the Gators yet. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, what options we got? I know we got. I know there's Michigan State. There's Michigan State in there. A lot there. of Big we Ten. A lot of Big lot Ten. Of, a lot of Big Ten. I mean, Shaq Eady's dominating the sport. It's hard not to go I there. Support I think Purdue. We got some Kansas, some Kentucky, no, no. some North Carolina. God, no. <laughs> yeah, you really say Kentucky? <laughs> I didn't know. God, no. I can support God, Purdue. No. Yeah, that's that's about it. Okay. Uh, well, uh, we'll get, maybe we'll get you a Shaq Eady shirt, Pat. Yeah, there we go. That's cool. I like, on that. I like it. Any questions, really? Megan? Anything worth actually uh, I, answering? Yes, there are there are some, but I, I'm enjoying reading the Texas Tech fans. Need some Field of 68 jorts. I think that is something we need to work on uh, here for when uh, summertime rolls around. Um, a few bracket questions there were, because obviously we were talking a little bit about the Bracketology Show. MC Lee, how many of these teams get in? I'm going to give you the teams. Iowa, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Maryland, Penn State. I can tell you right now, as of, th- as of today, only two of those teams are in. According to the feeling of sixty-eight, that is Iowa and that is Iowa and Maryland. Penn State is in the first four out, as well as Wisconsin, Ohio State, nowhere to be found. Hmm. I just want to say I don't think Iowa should be in that group with the other four. I think Iowa's pretty safely in. Yeah, I would say that too. But from the other four, I would say I would say say Iowa's in. Ohio State has no chance unless they just go on an absolute heater here to close out the season. I think Penn State could definitely get in, um, and I think Maryland gets in. I, I think Maryland does get in. So I think out of all those teams, I think the only one that's not going to be in the tournament it's going to be Ohio State. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that too. It would be a shame if Jalen Pickett and the Nittany Lions do not find a way into the tournament because man, that, he's so good to watch. He's so fun to watch. He's he so is. good. It's a dangerous team too that you would not want. Like if you're a six seven seed and you catch them as you're 11 you're 12 that's that's a scary sight 
Back to me, I'm assuming. All right, um, another one. Does uh, <laughs> St. Louis get in? But I'm going to change the question because I think St. Louis gets in. Obviously, they win the A10. Um, I don't think they have a chance to get in outside of winning the A10. But my question is going to come to Charleston. If Charleston obviously just lost to Hofstra, if they do not win the CAA tournament, do they still have a chance to get in? I would think so. I mean, their best wins Virginia Tech outside of the conference. Um, I think St. Louis's strength of schedule is more difficult. Uh, you know, um, obviously St. Louis lost at UMass. They, they've had some other hiccups. They lost to SIU Edwardsville at home right before Christmas. Um, so I, I think if St. Louis runs the table and wins the Atlantic 10 regular season – but doesn't win the tournament, I think St. Louis could still get in. I'm not saying – I don't I don't think college – I think they're going to have to win their tournament. That, that would just be me. Unless they go undefeated and don't lose again. You know, but then you look at an FAU, you know, with some of the wins. FAU has one loss on the year, and that was the third game of the season or second game of the season at Ole Miss without one of their best players. If they lose hypothetically on Thursday night at UAB – but then they run the table. Do they get in? Um, I, I think so. So I, I think if St. Louis wins the regular season A-10 title and they lose in the tournament, I still think they can get in. If they use that at UAB? At UAB on Thursday. Okay. That's I think they're at UAB and then at? Charlotte. Charlotte, yep, back-to-back. Andy Kennedy. <laughs> Man, if we need any Florida Atlantic talk, then we just go to these two. They, they know it all, these two guys here. Come uh, on, I, I respect it. I respect it. This wasn't a question, but it was a conversation that was had earlier in the chat. Uh, Musical Muse was wondering – well, it wasn't wondering, but was talking about uh, Penn State-Purdue this week. Do you see Penn State, they have any chance to upset Purdue? Midweek game, Indiana over the weekend, coming up this weekend. It's a trap spot, I'll tell can you that. Penn State pull, can Penn State pull it off? I mean, obviously we're talking about – them making the tournament, I mean, obviously, would be a huge spot. With, with our friends at Bet Rivers, that is what we like to call a trap spot. So I may be looking for the points in Penn State on that side, but Penn State pulling the win, I would want to start with how are they going to guard Zach Eady? That's a front court that uh, certainly can't match up one on one, maybe not even three on one. McCall, what would you, if you're Penn State, how would you guard Eady? I would do what Maryland did. I would, I would tempo press or full court press and fall back to his own. I mean, that's exactly what I would do and, and try to pressure passers in that zone and make it difficult for him to catch it inside. But uh, I'm saying if the game was at Penn State, I think Purdue, uh, I think Penn State would have a much better chance. Obviously, it's a home game. I think the game's at Purdue. I, I don't think Penn State it, it is at any, Purdue. Yes. I don't think Penn State has any chance in the game. But I think if you can press and fall back into that zone and pressure passers and make it difficult for him to catch, Versus that zone, I think that's yeah. that's the recipe. If you can, but then there's the whole if you can. There's the whole offensive rebounding thing that that too. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Zach is just he's just there. He's just the ball is if it's near, it's his. Yeah, he's too good. I think uh they would need both some sort of defensive game plan that is unique and creative, which I could see Shrewsbury pulling out, honestly. 
but then they're also going to need like a superstar performance from Pickett, which they've gotten plenty of this year. He's more than capable of doing that. Uh, but that, yeah, that Purdue backcourt, man. I mean, they're tough. They're tougher than they look. That's for sure for two yeah, true freshmen. Are. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. I will give you one more and then we can go to our toast of the night. Um, talking about Villanova, obviously Villanova has been down this season a little bit, uh, but MC Lee says you can see them playing spoiler in the Big East tournament. Do you agree? No, I don't. I'll let these I, guys talk on it, but I don't. I, I, I think the Big East is just too good. Um, you know, I, I have tremendous respect for Kyle Neptune and, and the situation that he took over there and what he walked into and, how difficult that is uh, for him. I think he's a really good coach. I think he did an unbelievable job last year at Fordham, but I just think the Big East is – I think it's too good for, for them to to play spoiler. Pat, I'm sorry, my toast of the night. Um, <laughs> I just saw the, I saw the face from Pat. I'm like, that is <laughs> I thought, like, I thought, thought that, that was his reaction to the question. He must agree. <laughs> Um, all right, yeah, that's that's it for me. We'll uh, let you guys roll with toast. Beautiful. Let's do it. Who wants to go first? I'll go. I'm going to test toast Roddy Terry, his staff, Texas. Unbelievable job, response coming out of the Tennessee game to go out there in that environment, national television on a Monday night, and play the way that they did, inspired. They were the better team tonight. So here's to Coach Terry, his staff, and his team. Cheers. Horns up. That was tea. PY cheers and tea to us. Twelve. Uh, I, I didn't know what was in that cup. <laughs> I don't want to drink that. Uh, my toast of the night is to Jeff Goodman for stirring <laughs> the pot. Way to go, my man! Eat your words. And you didn't even say anything bad. You just stated the facts. But hey, we know how it goes in sports. To you, Jeff. To Goody. Yeah, that's unlike Jeff Goodman to to be a little quiet and not say anything back. I'm still curious what's going on there. Um, man, I don't know. I feel like cheersing to Goodman feels like it it represents <laughs> enough of a, a Texas Tech toast for the evening. So I feel like I can avoid that game now. Um, you know what? I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go to the team that lost that game. As sad as it is, because I feel like I can relate to this person. Caleb Grill hit eight threes tonight, and nobody's just ever going to talk about that. Okay, that's that's me playing pickup basketball my whole life, gentlemen. Elite off-ball movement, elite floor spacer. I'll throw in five, six of those, catch and shoots, but we often lost those games, so nobody ever wanted to talk about it. So, Caleb Grill, I see you, big fella. Good game yeah. tonight. Eight threes. That's impressive. Dang. That's like uh... – Asante Samuel getting the, the three picks against the Jaguars. No one's going to talk about it because the Jags won. Yeah, man. Like, come on. We should have a whole episode dedicated just to losing performances. You know, that's actually that mentality is why I'm podcasting now and why I never did anything more impressive with my life, gentlemen. So uh, on that note, there's nowhere else I would rather be in all seriousness than the field of 68 after dark. Uh, this was a shockingly fun uh, results 
night of games for us. Who would have thought that Iowa State, Texas Tech would be so fun that we would have drama in Syracuse, Virginia, and of course, Baylor and Texas delivered as we expected it to. I had a blast breaking it down with you two gentlemen. Thank you, Matt McCall. Thank you, Patrick Young. Thank you, producer Dagan Hughes behind the scenes. And thank you to everybody who rocked with us in the Field of 68 YouTube chat as well. We appreciate your questions as always. Uh, We will be back tomorrow night and for the rest of the week here on the Field. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.